We started this series in chapter 1 of Colossians, and we talked about the people there at Colossae and how they were struggling with obedience. They were uh, into a lot of things, and they were really into religion. We, the premise was religion is dead. God calls us to a relationship with His Son, Jesus. And we talked about Gnosticism and all those kind of great things. I try to unpack that. But today we want to talk about that we can be distracted so easily, can't we? I mean, how many of you get distracted? I mean, just, I mean, we just get distracted about all kinds of things, and we can just sit here and give a list. But we want to talk today about being set free from deadly distractions, things that uh, harm our soul. They keep us from thriving in Jesus Christ. They, they hinder our spiritual progress and growth. So if you've ever looked at anybody really closely, you've tried to observe their life, and they're being greatly used of God, they've learned how to not let distractions kill them. Well, they have distractions. We all have distractions, but they've learned how to not be so diverted and kind of cast those aside. And they realize that distractions are fatal to the vision of their life, to their life purpose. And the ones yet that hear the still, small voice of the Lord, they're the ones that seem to be on track. They're the ones that are able to eliminate distractions to keep from being what they need to be. Outside influences are always going to be. They're always going to be screaming. They're going to be craving, getting us to crave, to crumble, to fall. And yet, I'm praying that we, through our body life this morning, through morning devotional times, through worship gatherings like this, through life groups, you're starting to center in on the voice of God. You're locking your mind onto Jesus. Just write that across your notes today. It's not a blank for it, but lock your mind onto God. Lock your mind onto Christ. It's amazing how something captures our attention and we get obsessed with it. And we, that thought just comes over and over. You know, when you were in school, you guys, you remember? There was this girl that walked in the room. And what happened, guys? I know you're, you're not married to her. Okay, or maybe you are married to her. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, or that sports, man. You, you loved athletics. You loved the band. You loved drill team. You loved something. And you just fixated on that. And it just captured. And you'd be in class and people would be talking to you. And you saw them moving their lips, but you didn't hear them. Do I have a witness? It's called marriage. I mean, no, I mean, it could be marriage. <laughs> Oops, I did not mean, no, no. I mean, they're, they're talking, and we need to listen. I mean, it goes both ways. So we give unto the Lord. We, we have people say something, and I'm so preoccupied with something else instead of what God wants for me. In Isaiah, there's a, whoops, I took my ear off on that one. That felt good. In Isaiah, there's a, uh, I got no idea where my... Hey, can you help me real quick? I'm like, the preacher's dying. That's what I get for wearing a coat today. Thank you, sweetie. I couldn't find it. Here we go. All right. Whoa. I didn't want to unrobe on you, okay? This is called a robe in the contemporary church, okay? There's a passage. You see, distractions. See, all of you got distracted. I did. Okay. Back to the message. Isaiah chapter 6. Turn there with me. Isaiah was a holy prophet, a man after God. And in Isaiah, it just says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw, uh, saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. You know what I really see there? Isaiah saw. Isaiah had vision. Isaiah had clarity. Isaiah had purpose. He he, he was focused on God. He didn't want to be distracted by the other things. He, he wanted to see God. He, he wanted to be in his presence. 
And this morning, we'll come back to this, but I just think about how we need to call one another to repentance and live in the light of the Lordship of Christ and make Christ preeminent. Here in this section, chapter 1, verses 15 through 23, it's all about the preeminence and the supremacy of Jesus. Him, him being number one, Him being overall. You know, the Gnostics and other people would say, who is Jesus? And many in that day, and sometimes today in 2014, they'd go, He's admirable. He was holy. He was moral. Yeah, He was good. I'll give it to you. He was a good teacher. But we leave it there. He wasn't God. So many are trying to refute that, and they're not saying that he was the Son of God, and they just kind of push it aside. And yet, we know that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is creator. We'll talk about that in a moment. And he deserves our devotion. He deserves our attention. He deserves our allegiance this morning. We focus on him. But the people at Colossae, they got sidetracked with all the minutiae of religion and things of that day. Now, before we pick on them too hard, you think about all the distractions that come into your life and mine, and if we're not careful, we're, we're here with the vertical and trying to work on the horizontal that I talked about a few weeks ago about loving your neighbors yourself, and then we get you know, hit, and we get pushed, and we get something else enters, and something else kind of gets my time and my energy and my money or whatever. And then, remember last week we talked about religion says, do more, do more, work harder, earn your way. Folks, you cannot earn your salvation. Can I have a big amen right there? You can't work for it. Is righteousness atoned for in Christ, attained fully in Him? But if I'm really honest, sometimes we, me, you maybe, I get busy doing this church thing. Churchianity. Man, I don't, I don't know if that's a word. We'll just hang with it. But the words here in Colossians, when we unpack them in a minute, they're so rich. It's like a song that's being sung. It's an ancient some said it was a poem, a song, but it just launches out. So I want you to fill in the first one. Don't underestimate the transforming effect of thinking about Jesus. When we think about Jesus, when we set our minds on Him, on things above that are high and lofty and noble, transformation begins its process. It's only when you and I choose not to think about Jesus that we go astray. We drift. We don't lock into the supremacy of Christ. We get distracted. So here's my prayer. Lord Jesus, be my focus. I pray that a lot through the day because I need it. I need Christ to be my focus, not Keith, not you, not something of this world. I need him. He, remember last week we talked about he rescues us in salvation. He transfers us from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light. To those he loves, that's what Christ does for us. That's who we are in Jesus Christ. But see, some of you today want to go, Pastor, give me, give me a list. Give me a list. Then you missed last weekend. you got to go back and listen. If you think Christianity is a religion and it's about a list, then you've missed it. It's about a relationship with Christ, union with him. I don't want a list. How many of you want a list today? I don't want a list that i got to go through and check off. I want to be in concert with my Jesus, with Christ being the center. That's what Christ calls us to. But, you know, a lot of times you're like, well, I, I just want a list. I like lists, and I make lists, and you make lists, and I understand some of you. I've seen some of your worship guides you leave behind. Busted. Hmm, should I go to Publix or should I go here? I, you know, hey, what are we doing for lunch? I mean, you make all, you know, hey, let's, hey. And if it's a really bad sermon, hey, let's dust, and let's, you know, whatever. Like, oh, boy, I really had their attention on that one. All right, here it is. I want you to stand with me. I want you to hear God's word. 
you have a copy of the scriptures, hold it up. Colossians chapter 1, starting verse 15. Listen to God's word. This is, this is so rich in context. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, and in the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Verse 21. Once you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, but now, I love this, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you've heard. And this has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, have become a servant. You can be seated this morning. Isn't that a rich passage? I've read this so many times over the years. It just gives me confidence about how great my king is. There's even a verse in there. It really refutes the Jehovah's Witnesses that knock on your door. See, they, they think Jesus is a created being. That's not what the Scripture says. So just kind of go back to this section sometimes if you want to get into a discussion with Jehovah's Witness or somebody that doesn't believe the gospel of Christ. So, What's the sermon about? It's about Jesus. It's about preeminence. It's about ruling. It's about being number one. It's the most important thought when I think about God. That's the most important thought you and I have. It's what do I think about God and how can I defend it? Just write it down. What do I think about God today in my life? And then how can I take steps to then defend my faith in God? Why I believe? Why I'm a believer? Why I walk? out this race of faith paul was dealing with these people that were so full of knowledge and religion and if you go to this person they have the deeper meanings and the mystery and the mystique the mystical part of god and if you do this and if you worship angels erroneous erroneous thoughts not right we worship christ as we just talked about he's fully man he's fully god in the person of christ he has superior capacity he's the truth and yet today we, we look back at a Gnostic people, evil and flesh and matter and spirit, and they were different, and Christ couldn't do all that they said, and we know He was. He was fully God. He was fully man, and only God could do that. But the truth is, Christ is risen. Christ has come. He's come near for us. Paul calls us. I've, I've listed five statements today. Paul calls us to recalibrate, to refocus our minds and our hearts that we believe the right stuff. And it's not an, an intellectual, volitional uh, movement of our mind. It is Christ only. Christ superior. Let's look at the first one. Jesus is the God revealer. 
Jesus reveals the Father. You've seen me, you've seen the Father, is what Jesus said. I, I love that. In, uh, he's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. He is creator God. We'll talk about that. In Hebrews 1.3, I want you to write this down. It says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word after he provided purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven he's god he's, he's above all he's the icon of god he's the perfect representative of god he's the exact being of god he is god can we have a big amen right there jesus is god he's not moral rabbi of the week of the year he's god and I'm just amazed how many people want to make him just out to be a, a good man, just like some cultic leader, some modern-day prophet. He is the prophet of prophets. He is the ancient of days. He is the morning star. He is the holy one of God. I remember the story I heard years ago about the little boy. He was in class, and the teacher walked out there and said, What are you doing, Johnny? He says, I'm drawing God. Looked at him and said, You're drawing God? He said, Nobody knows what God looks like. He says, Will, when I finish pretty good and you know what the drawing of god is in this room we are the visible manifestations of christ in us that we represent christ to a lost world that's what god looks like god looks like you he looks like me you're like well god didn't look like me this week well that's called sin you need to confess that okay remember when moses said god show me your glory show me your face all right moses you're you're humble you love me but you don't get it Moses, if you see me, you'll die. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock. And when I pass over and pass by, then you can see the backside of me. Then you could have like seen me in that sense. But you can't see me. If you see me, you will die, Moses. But see, we see God in Jesus. He's the exact representation, says Scripture. I was reading, uh, not that I read physics magazines and stuff, a little deep for me. But there was a, uh, a great scientist, Alan R. Sandage. He's gonna, there's a quote. It's going to come up on the screen. And this guy, he was uh, a scientist of scientists, astronomer in his generation. He spent his life measuring the universe. And uh, they said that he was the most influential astronomer of his time. He was part of the Hubble research with the Hubble uh, telescope and all that. Just genius mind. Lived to be about 84 but I like what he said. He, he eventually, as I read about a lot of scientists, a lot of scientists never believe. They're hard, they're callous, and they don't believe the gospel. But I've been reading about some in recent days that have come to profound faith in Jesus Christ. And listen to what he says. The world is too complicated in all its parts and interconnections to be due to chance alone. I am convinced that the existence of life with all its order in each of its organisms is simply too well put together. Each part of a living thing depends on all of its other parts to functions. How does each part know? How is each part specified at conception? The more one learns of biochemistry, the more unbelievable it becomes unless there is some type of organizing principle and architect for believers. Whew, that just makes me tired of reading it. And this was the light quote that I found from him. I mean, you know, I need to, uh, you know, man, some of these, like I need Louis Giglio or I need my, my other guy that loves physics and astronomy and they halfway understand it, at least they have conveyed, they, we think they do. And, uh, but this guy, he got it. Second point. Here it is. So Jesus is the God revealer. Secondly, Jesus is the creator. 
He's not the created being, okay? Don't, don't say that anymore. He's, he's creator. For By him all things were created, things in heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. Christ created you and me for his goodwill, for his pleasure. I, I like that thought. For him, he, he, he is supreme. He is creator. He, he, he rules over all. So Jesus, you've created me. For what? To bring honor to the Father. To bring glory to the Son. To make Christ known that people want to know what God looks like. Yesterday, very powerful day. I've shared it over the years. A lot of you are new. 46 years ago yesterday, my life was spared as a nine-year-old. I was in a fatal automobile accident. killed my mother and my grandfather, and I was the only survivor. I was a nine-year-old, buzz-headed, kind of look like I do now, little boy. And every time on February 22nd comes, I go, Great is the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. To Him is all praise and glory. He has given me purpose to know Him that I might make Him known. I didn't know him as a little boy. Now I just get to introduce people to him. Look at the third one. Jesus is what? He's a sustainer. He's the, he's the real force. I like what 17 says. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus is intimately involved in physics. Some of you took physics in college. Some of you stayed away from physics. Some of you are going to take physics, you know, all that kind of stuff. And Jesus is able to maintain this uh, balance, delicacy, uh, balance necessary to life existence. He's the power behind the consistency of the universe. He is the universe. He is gravity. He is centrifugal, centripetal force. He is the energy of the universe. Without Jesus, all atoms would fly apart. Now, wouldn't we have a chaotic world if Jesus hadn't come? I love that verse. It says Jesus brings peace and order out of chaos. Do I, am I talking to any people that know anything about chaos? I tell you what, let's take a trip next door right now. <laughs> I really want to, but I want to preach this message. They are having so much, they have these, like, these big animal hamster balls that people are strapped in. And they're rolling around and bouncing, and it's an amazing thing. And it is organized chaos. And before the day over, the gospel of Jesus Christ will be shared, and I pray some kids will be born again. Amen? But hold together, prevent, prevent something from falling into complete chaos. Christ is before all. Write down, Christ is cohesion. Christ is complete. You got a bad marriage? Go to Jesus. You got a bad life? Go to Jesus. You got a, an addiction problem? Go to Jesus. Your life's falling apart at the seams? Go to Jesus. He is the one that we read here that holds everything together by his powerful word. Without it, we just dissolve and we go into just craziness and like, God, you're the real force. If I let go of you, Jesus, then my life crumbles. Isn't that good? Jesus holds us together, but if you and I choose to let go of fellowshipping, committed to union with Christ, life crumbles. I can show you people all the time, they've let go of Christ, they've run away from the faith, they've never had faith. Their life might look good on exterior, interiorly they're falling apart. Christ is just the one that holds it together. He integrates us. The fourth thing is Jesus is the leader. In this passage, it talks about 
who Christ is and His power and His rule. And He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning among the firstborn from among the dead so that everything He might have supremacy. It's a beautiful concept here. He, he's the head. He's the seat. Here's what I would say to you, friend. Jesus Christ is CEO of the church. Jesus is head of Christ Community Church. It's not Pastor Keith. It's not the elders. It's not you. It's Jesus. Isn't that good news? Christ is head. Jesus holds all things together. Now, you don't remember this, but when you go through 101, although we've changed it, we, had a, we have an org chart, and it kind of lets people know how things flow around here. Of course, it's got, you know, you know, Jesus Christ and everything, and then it's got all this stuff, and it goes down. But the, on that org chart, we just wanted to make sure we got it right. We put Jesus Christ right at the top. That's where we get our marching orders. That's where you better get your marching orders. You know what I'm saying, church? We go to him. He's head. That takes the pressure off of me. When things are struggling around here, i got enough stress in my life, and, and I get stressed, and I get concerned, and then I remember Jesus owns it all. Jesus is head of the church. It's about his reputation. i got to do my part, but Jesus, I'll offer it to you. So you've got your own business. You need to give that business to Jesus. You go to school. You go to work. You need to give everything you've got to Jesus. Do I have a witness? He's head. You're like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to be head. All right, call me back in six months. Let me know how that's working for you, okay? Because when you lose connection to Christ, you're losing something. Man, you're unplugged from the power of God. He's supreme over authority. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the source. He's the firstborn from among the dead. He's a new creation. Empires rise and fall, but Jesus has risen once and for all. He's building the eternal kingdom. And he's invited you, and he's invited me to be a co-heir with him and reign and rule forever. I was thinking about it the other day, what that's going to be to rule with Jesus over the universe, over the galaxies, over the world and heaven. Pretty cool thought. I, I don't have it all figured out. But everything's under him. Dictators, disasters, disease, demons. Give me another D. Anyway, whatever. Just put whatever it is, everything is under King Jesus. He is head of the church. He wants to be head of your life. Jesus is Lord whether you make him Lord or not, but it would be good to bow the knee in this life. I love what the Bible says. The Bible says that one day, one day, agnostics, atheists, lost people, religious people, one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every tongue will confess one day. Now, it'll be too late. But all will confess Jesus is Lord. He is ruler. He is king. So Colossians encourages me to do that. And then the fifth, I love this point. Jesus is the reconciler. He's the great reconciler that brings things that are, that are apart. Our sin, we're enemies. And Christ brings us near through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him, through his blood shed on the cross, to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood. That's what Jesus does. He makes peace. He's, let's look at three results of reconciliation. This is just extra. I want to give it to you. Number one, reconciliation means we are holy in his sight. In the sight of Holy Father, we get reconciled holy. It means we are set apart, declared holy by God himself. That's what it means to be reconciled. The second thing it means is this. We are without blemish. There's no faults. There's no blotches. There's nothing at that point. We are pure. We are holy. 
No, no sin. And the third thing is, we're free from accusation. Isn't it nice to be free from accusation in earthly relationships? Sure. But you know how, I mean, you know how much greater it is to be free from an accusation from a holy God because he sees Christ's blood covering you and his righteousness robing you? Oh, God, that's the hope of the gospel. Holy standing. And so Paul, in, in this section, he's got a direct attack on false teachers. He's just coming after the Gnostics and Gnosticism and all the religious people. And he's saying there's a higher way, there's a superior way. It's Jesus. Let's run to him. And then, uh, I want you to fill this in. This all includes, well, let me get ahead of myself. In order to live in commitment to the truth about Jesus, we all must recognize and refuse the temptation to lessen him. Sometimes we want to make Jesus like this. We want to put Jesus in the box. And we pull him out when we want him. Make more of Christ and less of you. Make Christ, let Christ enlarge in your life in 2014. You decrease. Jesus increase. You know what happens when Christ increases? You have a better life. You have a better marriage. You're a better husband. You're a better father. You're a better son, wife, mother, daughter, employee, employer, any realm. When Jesus is head, it just gets a lot better. He, he trumps all the other stuff damaged by the fall. He's revealer. He's creator. He's leader. He's reconciler. I want to talk to you about this real quick. Focus. When I think about focus this morning, I think about what we have spent the last few weeks doing. At our house, we have watched a good bit of Olympics. Do, do I have a witness in the house? Is anybody else in here? Is anybody else? Are you kind of glad that today's here? I, I'm kind of glad because, I mean, it, it does take a lot of time, but it's also patriotic and it's fun. And I watch these, and you know what? Pastor Keith becomes an expert in the sport that I'm watching. <laughs> I mean, I want y'all to see me skate, okay? Uh, yeah, what I told my girls last night, uh, I, I, I told one of them, I said, I tell you what, dad's going to go out and he's going to ice skate in the garage. They said, bring it on. No, no, I mean, that would be ugly, okay? And skiing and snowboarding and, and uh, curling. Okay, we got to talk about that later. I ain't quite figured that one out, okay? But all these sports, but you know what I've learned? These people are so competitive, but they're the most focused people on the planet. Would you agree? There's all these people, billions, millions of people are watching them, and they can block everything out. How about the half-pike snowboarders? That 20-something foot, and then they go 12, 14, 15, 20 feet above the thing, and they go up in the air. And I would be tempted to go, hey, how's everybody doing when you're over the, you know, they don't. They focus on their spins, their flips, and they come down and they land. The object is to land on your feet. Sometimes they don't. But focus? And I, so I've been thinking about focus this week. Olympians are extremely focused. You know where I'm going, don't you? How focused are you on Jesus? As the Olympics end, I ask you, do you see clearly the king? Do you focus on his plans, on his purposes, on his word, on what he has for you? Athletes have a reverence and awe for their sport. Jesus wants to trump all that and be so much greater that it's not blurred anymore but I see the Lord. In Isaiah 33, I want to give this to you. Isaiah chapter 33, write it down. Isaiah 33, 14 through 17. The Word of God says, The sinners in Zion are terrified, trembling grips, the godless 
Who of us can dwell with a consuming fire? Who of us can dwell with everlasting burning? Those who walk righteously, they speak what is right. Who reject gain from extortion, they keep their hands from accepting bribes. They stop their ears against plots of murder. They shut their eyes against contemplating evil. They are the ones who will dwell on the heights, those whose refuge will be the mountain fortress. Their bread will be so supplied and the water will not fail them. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty and view a land that stretches afar. Isaiah first, he asked us, what do you see? In Isaiah 6, it said he saw the Lord. Here, it says, I enjoy the presence of God. I get with him. I get close to him. Who among us shall dwell? Those that are righteous. The answer to that question comes in verse 15. There's a list of distractions to be avoided in verse 15 and following. Listen to these. He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly. That's what we're to do, to walk righteous, to despise the gain of oppression, move away from oppression, who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes. No, I will take no bribe. I want to be holy. Who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed. I will have no part in that. And I will shut my eyes from seeing evil. Lord, I want to be pure and holy in your presence. I want your way, God. I want to see Christ. And I'm just thinking about us this morning. Christ is calling you and I to holiness and to purity of life. And it starts with just that relationship and seeing him high and lifted up in the temple, as Isaiah talked about. He's the place of defense. I'm not going to be shifted. I'm not going to be moved. I'm, I'm going to fix my eyes upon Christ. Look right here in Colossians chapter 1. 23, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the gospel. What a beautiful thing. I would say it this way. There's a passage that's going to come up. It's Colossians 1, 21 through 23 from the message from Eugene Peterson. And these words are profound. They're powerful. And it says this, Christ, or you yourselves are a case study of what he does. And at one time you will find your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance you get. Boy, that's me. But now by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you and me. Christ brought you over to God's side. He transferred you. He put your lives together whole and holy in your presence. You don't walk away from a gift like this. You stay grounded. You're steady. You remain steadfast. In that bond of trust, you constantly turn to the message, careful not to be distracted and not to be diverted. That's what Paul said. Don't be diverted. There's no other message like this one this morning i'm just thinking have you been distracted i can get so distracted but i pray that you and i together can spur one another on and can help each other to becoming more like christ conform to the image of god's son jesus so lord it's deadly to be distracted i don't want to be distracted i want to run with you Lord, I want to follow you. I want my friends to follow you because you receive much honor when we're faithful to Christ and we see Christ as he is and we say, live your life in me and through me. To be a Christ follower means you are a follower of Jesus, of the way of God. You're not religious. You don't keep rules. You do disciplines. But you are united to Christ. You follow Christ. 
and you ask Jesus, what would you have me do? And he shows us. Let's pray. Just bow your heads with me. Lord, we bow and worship you this morning in adoration because you're worthy, mighty God. Receive our worship this morning, Jesus. We bless you, God. We bless the Son and we bless the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that these truths from Colossians would begin to be rooted deeply in our hearts, that we would believe the right stuff, but we would do the right things. And we would overflow with thankfulness from our hearts because we find ourselves connected to Christ. Lord, don't let us be distracted another day. Help us to run to you. As we see Olympians, they stay in their lane. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they get messed up, they get distracted, but they run the race set before them. Help us, Lord Jesus, to run the race set before us, fixing our eyes upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. God is good. Amen.